Welcome to Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons. Q is about conversation. If we're really concerned about ending poverty, we've got to be more concerned about creating justice. Our cultural products as Christians need to both defy and resonate with the culture. But God's doing amazing things. His church is expanding, his church is growing. It's not what's the purpose of my life, it's what is the purpose that's been assigned. Stay curious, think well, advance good. This is Q. We know in other states where policies have been passed that are actually making parents ineligible to foster or adopt if they don't embrace radical gender identity ideology. And we've seen states actually exclude religious faith-based foster care and adoption agencies like New Hope Family Adoption Services who place vulnerable children in homes. That denies birth moms the option of being able to find homes with moms and dads who share their Christian beliefs. We also know that these laws affect business owners in a profound way, including creative professionals. Phoenix, for example, passed a law similar to the so-called Equality Act, and that law actually would put Joanna and Brianna in jail if they declined to use their calligraphy and hand-painting skills to create art that violated their convictions. Welcome to Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons on Faith Radio. I'm Paul Pruitt with Gabe. Well, after a COVID delay of over a year, the Tokyo Summer Olympics are finally on. And while most of the competition has been like past events, along with concerns about the coronavirus, another unique aspect is happening this time around. New Zealand's Laurel Hubbard is competing in women's weightlifting. And although competing as a woman, Laurel is biologically male with decided physical advantages over other contenders. Plus, last month was Pride Month, and there was a lot of talk about advancing L- LGBT rights further, even though many have strong convictions that such lifestyles are problematic, especially those who have religious objections. It's a hard topic, but Gabe, again, you and Q don't shy away from the hard topics. And so we wanted to engage that this past year when we had our conversation in April at our Q 2021 Culture Summit. And so we wanted to talk about a topic that's come up a lot legislatively. It's been one of those agenda items. You're hearing about it more and more this month of June. And we wanted to address it by just helping you be more aware of how this policy starts to play out in American life and how this would play out in public life. And it's something called the Equality Act. Now, for those of you who aren't reading up on this, and this is maybe the first time you're hearing it, you're going to hear a great description from Kristen Wagoner, who's general counsel with Alliance Defending Freedom, describe this policy, how it's designed to work, how it functions, how it affects businesses, how it will affect Christian organizations and parachurch organizations, ministries and schools. And that's what we wanted her to do. We wanted her to create awareness so that everybody within the Christian community just understands that with this particular policy, there would be major change happening. There would be significant challenges to the way in which Christian institutions currently operate. And it would be based on a new worldview that would enter into legislation around LGBT rights. There's many that disagree with this policy. There's many outside of the Christian community who just say this is not the right way forward. This is not the best way for Americans to get along and to operate. But here at Q, we want you to be aware of all these conversations. We want you to be curious. We want to think well. We want you to have the best education on the conversations that you might have. And so I hope that over this nine-minute talk, which is quite short, it will give you an opportunity to hear a little bit more about how this is going to work if it were to come to pass. Now, certainly within our current Congress, 
not a lot gets passed, and it takes a long time for these conversations to move forward. So we're not sure whether this will really go forward. Alternative proposals are being discussed. In fact, at our culture summit, we also debated and discussed amongst two people who disagreed another policy that others are putting forward within the Christian community and others to try to find a middle road through this. And so we had a robust conversation around it, but it began with this. And so let's listen in now to Kristen Wagner, who will speak to us about Equality Act implications. When my friend and client, Sherry Lawyer, Sherry Lori, Lori was a young woman. She was very afraid of her uncle. Her uncle was a homeless drug addict and he lived on the streets of Seattle. And he actually died on the streets of Seattle. When Sherry decided to retire early from being a pilot at FedEx, she decided to overcome this fear. So she started volunteering at the Downtown Hope Center in Anchorage, Alaska. She now runs the place. The Downtown Hope Center actually provides about 500 meals every single day to those who live on the streets of Anchorage, Alaska. It also provides laundry services, clean clothing, job skills training, and the hope of Jesus to everyone who walks in its doors. At night, the Hope Center also provides a women's shelter. All of the women, about 50 of them who are there in the day, come at night, and they sleep in a common room. In that common room, there are about three feet between each of those cots that the women sleep on. Those women, nearly all of them, have in some way been touched by significant trauma, domestic violence, substance abuse, and many who have been trafficked. One night, a man came to the door of the shelter, and he was pounding on that door, belligerently demanding entrance to sleep in the shelter. He was wearing a pink women's nightgown, and he was cut across the face, and he was drunk. Sherry then came to the door, intervened. She prayed for the man. She also gave him cab fare so that he could get treatment at a hospital nearby. She then closed the door, turned around, and saw several of the women that were cowering in fear behind her, one of which said, had you let him in, I would be sleeping in the woods in the dark and bitter winter tonight because I will not sleep with a man three feet away from me in this shelter. Sherry's decision just makes common sense, I think, to most of us. But to Anchorage officials, they actually told Sherry that she likely violated the law there, that sexual orientation and gender identity are a protected class, and that she had engaged in gender identity discrimination by protecting those women that night. That's what the Equality Act would do. The so-called Equality Act has been passed by the House of Representatives, and it's in the Senate right now. And that act would force secular and faith-based women's shelters to admit men, regardless of the women's safety, privacy, or their need for safe spaces. The act overhauls civil rights laws, and it adds special protected class status for sexual orientation, and it defines those essentially on subjective feelings, perceptions, and attractions. If it passes, it would also silence and punish those who hold to the reality that there are two sexes, that those sexes are equal, very much equal, but also different and complementary, regardless of whether someone is male or female. The law broadly imposes a national mandate for a new sexual orthodoxy. It actually expands abortion rights and it guts religious freedom protections. Virtually everyone will be affected in some way if this law passes. Now wait, you say, I must be exaggerating. How could I possibly know this? The law hasn't passed yet. 
Well, I know it because similar laws have been passed at the state and local level, and ADF has defended victims of those laws for quite a while now in court battles. The laws don't just apply to women's shelters either. And as a woman, I think I can specifically speak to the issue of private spaces and what those mean to me. The women in this audience, the women that are listening, they don't want to share their private spaces with men, not just our restrooms, but also our locker rooms. And I don't want my daughter sharing a single-sex college dorm room. And those women that have raised their hand to say, wait a minute, I have concerns about this, regardless of what side of the aisle they're on, have been told that they're engaging in bigotry by expressing their concern about undressing in front of the opposite sex. Now, surely you know how these laws would also apply to sports, so I won't spend much time on that, but they deprive women of fair competition as well. Even the absolutely stunning record set by Allison Felix, she's an Olympian with nine medals under her belt, she would be beat and bested by many of the high school boys in the country. In fact, in one year alone, 300 high school boys beat her time. That's why ADF clients Alana and Selena, as well as Chelsea, filed a lawsuit in Connecticut when Connecticut adopted a similar policy. And actually, that policy, in two years, two biological men took 15 state championships away from girls. And over 85 times, girls were precluded from advancing to higher levels of competition. Those boys actually, at least one of them, competed for three years as a male and three weeks prior to moving into the girls' league. But the act has other consequences as well. It will force medical providers, including Christian doctors and Christian hospitals, to offer abortion and radical, irreversible gender affirmation treatment, like mastectomies and hysterectomies, to essentially masculinize women, and hormone treatment that has irreversible effects on development and function. And this will happen regardless of whether that provider has a medical concern, an ethical concern, or even the lack of effectiveness, proof of effectiveness. This affects medical health providers as well. They have one choice. They can affirm that false identity or they can be lawbreakers. That's what the Equality Act would do. Let me give you some examples here as well. First of all, psychotherapist Dr. David Schwartz simply and kindly converses with his patients, many of whom share his Jewish faith, and they are adults who come to him saying they want to, in some cases, overcome same-sex attraction or gender dysphoria and live consistent with the beliefs of their faith. New York City passed a law that would threaten Dr. Schwartz $10,000 for every conversation he had that did that. There's also Dr. Alan Josephson. Dr. Josephson actually lost his job as a division chief at a prestigious university hospital. He led the program in child and adolescent psychiatry. He advocated for watchful waiting rather than pushing radical hormone treatment on children at young ages. Consistent with the science, of course, which says that 80 to 95% of all children will actually make it through puberty and live consistent with their biological sex, even if they express gender confusion at a young age. And then there's Kira Bell. Kira Bell went to her doctor as well. She suffered, as she said, from a number of different issues, but she was presented with one treatment, and it was cross-sex hormones and surgery. So that's what happened. She explained, I was an unhappy girl who needed help. I was treated like experiment or an experimentation. She now lives with the irreversible effects that this has taken on her body. The act would not only drive out Dr. Josephson and Dr. Schwartz, who are skilled physicians who love God and love people, but it would also preclude doctors and parents from making decisions that are in the best interest of children, 
It would actually require them to affirm the perceived gender and wouldn't allow support for people like Kira who want to live again, consistent with their true sex. The act also has an effect on children longing for a forever home. We know in other states where policies have been passed that are actually making parents ineligible to foster or adopt if they don't embrace radical gender identity ideology. And we've seen states actually exclude religious faith-based foster care and adoption agencies like New Hope Family Adoption Services who place vulnerable children in homes. That denies birth moms the option of being able to find homes with moms and dads who share their Christian beliefs. We also know that these laws affect business owners in a profound way, including creative professionals. Phoenix, for example, passed a law similar to the so-called Equality Act, and that law actually would put Joanna and Brianna in jail if they declined to use their calligraphy and hand-painting skills to create art that violated their convictions. And of course, you heard Gabe talk about Jack Phillips and Masterpiece Cake Shop at the beginning of this. I had the privilege of arguing Jack's case, but I suspect you haven't heard the true facts about that case, which is that Jack serves everyone that walks in his shop, but he has never in 27 years designed every cake that violates his convictions. When he was asked to design a custom cake for a same-sex wedding, he offered the couple anything else in his shop and offered to design custom cakes for other occasions but said, I just can't express a message that violates my convictions. That hauled him up to the U.S. Supreme Court. And while he won at the U.S. Supreme Court, the court's decision was based on the fact that Colorado had made disparaging and hostile statements about Jack's faith and applied a double standard to him. But again, the Equality Act would have a profound impact on Jack. Three weeks after the United States Supreme Court decision, Jack found himself hauled in again to another legal matter because a transgender activist attorney called him and requested a cake that was blue on the outside, pink on the inside to celebrate his transition. The attorney then called again and requested a cake that would celebrate Satan, with Satan on the top smoking a marijuana joint. Of course he knew Jack would decline those cakes and he did. We just finished Jack's trial about three weeks ago. He's been litigating for nine years now. This kind of harassment is what the Equality Act would put forth and it would force artists like Jack to promote messages that violate their convictions. And make no mistake, I'm not here to tell you whether you ought to design that cake. That's up to you. What I am here to tell you is that the Equality Act would decide that issue for you, and it would take away your freedom. It would take away all of our freedoms. Even if we disagree, the government shouldn't have that kind of power. Lastly, the act would threaten the freedom of private religious institutions, universities, schools, K-12, faith-based organizations of all different kinds, and even churches. It even would deny students the right to federal financial aid if they wanted to attend a school, and it would likely force those schools to change their standards of conduct, their admissions policies, and even what they're teaching in the classroom. The Equality Act imposes ideological purity as the price to enter the marketplace, the public square, and even polite society. Now, as Christians, what do we do? Well, first, we treat all people with respect and dignity. We honor them as being created in God's image. But that is not what this act does. We are called to love God and our neighbor. But because of that call, we cannot support elevating the vague categories of sexual orientation and gender identity into protected class status in the law. Because they're not only unbiblical, they are harmful 
to the conception of the human person. As Archbishop Chaput has said, our commitment to charity and justice are not an excuse for compromising with grave evil. So I would challenge us that I think we instead should follow the examples of Nehemiah, of Esther, of Joseph, and of so many others, of Daniel, those who stood for the truth, who didn't compromise on that truth, and actually, in hostile cultures and uncertain times, moved a generation We do need to vote. Of course, that matters. We do need to engage in relationships like you heard about earlier. And as a part of those relationships, we also need to speak and to act winsomely, bravely, and compassionately to talk about why God's created order promotes the human good. We need to have those conversations with our coworkers, with our neighbors, with our friends, and most of all, with our kids. Because who knows what God can do if we do? If we do just that, he might help us raise up the next generation in faith, in truth, and hopefully in a free nation. Well, I know that was a lot to take in, and I hope, I hope you're able to get your head around some of what Kristen here is describing of really a whole new way of interaction. I thought her quote where she says, the Equality Act imposes ideological purity as the price to enter the marketplace, the public square, and even polite society is a good way of putting it, that this type of policy would indeed do that. And it's something we just have to be very aware of. There needs to be alternatives. There needs to be a way that we can all get along. Yes. And on that front, as you mentioned earlier, Gabe, during the Culture Summit, you hosted a conversation with two legal experts around a proposed policy called Fairness for All that seeks to find a balance between those fighting for LGBT rights and those seeking protections for religious convictions and religious rights. And as you said, there's not agreement on this plan. You talked with Ryan T. Anderson of the Ethics and Public Policy Center, as well as Tim Schultz of the First Amendment Partnership. We want to highlight a portion of that conversation. Let's just jump right in. Tim is on the left. Ryan is on the right. Um, that does not mean anything about their particular positions. Um, but, but Tim, I'd like for you to just share with us what is the Fairness for All Act. Give us a sense of what that policy is. A diverse set of faith groups, evangelical colleges and charities, Orthodox Jews, Seventh-day Adventists, some of the nation's most influential black clergy, all support the Fairness for All Act, and and we frequently say FFA for short. Uh, The starting point of FFA is an ethos that is different than the legacy religious right approach, which has been that on every LGBT public policy question, whatever the context, our reflexive answer has been no. Instead, the FFA ethos is to find common ground where we can and to fight where we must. The common ground is that just as we believe that a a Baptist or a Muslim should not have to hide their identity to keep a job or to rent an apartment, neither should a gay or transgender person. But we also insist that this change in law should not adversely affect the rights of religious schools and charities or threaten the conscience rights of people living out their faith in their professional lives. The nation's leading pro-religious freedom legal scholars endorse fairness for all. The ACLU hates it. But they both agree with me that these are robust religious freedom protections. In 2015, with the support of both the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and local Catholic leaders, Utah passed a Fairness for All law. 
Six years later, there have been no significant legal issues, and there are even really remarkable social peace. Contrary to the predictions uh, of those at the time who now predict disaster about the Federal Fairness for All Act. Still, every Fairness for All supporter I know believes that this approach only represents approximate, not perfect justice, that it won't solve all of the issues. And it's just better than the leading alternative, which says that while we might be personally opposed if the local 7-Eleven fires a gay employee, that the law should never legislate that morality. And that's why opponents, my friend Ryan, or anyone else for that matter, have to answer at least three questions. First, why have things worked out so well in Utah? Second, what do you say to the black and brown Christian leaders who have written to oppose the Equality Act, but that argue that fairness for all is fundamentally just? And three, maybe most importantly, if not fairness for all, what is the specific alternative that does not smack of the legacy religious right approach that is failing to persuade the courts, moderate lawmakers, and even many within the church? Thank, thank you, Tim. And so, Tim, clearly you uh, presented Fairness for All as it's an alternative that allows Christian institutions to still, still exist and retain their religious freedom rights, but also makes some concessions towards the LGBT movement and the Equality Act. Ryan, you from the beginning have opposed this. There, Tim's right. Many Christian institutional leaders have been working with Fairness for All, trying to navigate that. But you from the beginning have said this is a really bad idea. Um, describe for us why you think Fairness for All is a bad idea. I think I want to start by uh, agreeing with part of what Tim just said, is that, you know, Tim and I, we, we share a common biblical worldview. Uh, we uh, share a common understanding of human sexuality. And I think we share a common political um, uh, disposition, which is that we should seek compromise whenever we can. If it's a good compromise, uh, we should strive for peaceful coexistence whenever we can, if it'll actually be peaceful. I just don't think fairness for all achieves either of those objectives. Uh, it's a bad compromise. It's not actual common ground. It won't actually lead uh, to peaceful coexistence. Um, it's not a law that will be used as a shield uh, to protect vulnerable minorities from unjust discrimination. It'll be um, used as a sword uh, to persecute people who hold true but unpopular beliefs about human sexuality. Uh, and the reason that I think it's a bad compromise and it's a misguided approach to peaceful coexistence is because the way that it's been framed was narrow and selective, rather um, than being holistic and kind of um, uh, considering all of the considerations. The way that Tim just described it and the way that the legislation itself works is that it's about LGBT rights on one hand and then religious liberty on the other. And that leaves out endless numbers of Americans who would be negatively impacted both by the Equality Act and by Fairness for All. Think about how many of the people Kristen Wagner just shared with us who would have been and have been uh, harmed by SOGI laws who need not be religious at all. Secular girls have concerns about their privacy, their safety. Secular athletes have concerns about fairness in their sports. Uh, secular children struggling with gender dysphoria need good medical care. Secular doctors who think sex reassignment procedures are bad medicine need protections from this. And FFA doesn't offer them anything, right? I mean, that's where it's a misguided approach because it frames the terms as LGBT rights on one hand and religious liberty on the other. It's not holistic. It's not comprehensive. And so to my mind, this is also 
a bad form of citizenship. This is a bad form of, of neighbor love where it looks like we're concerned about protecting our liberties while we're advocating for the passage of a law that's going to harm other people. I mean, why do we need exemptions from this law if it were truly fair for all? And why are we imposing it on other people while exempting ourselves from it? And so I think this will also harm the long-term witness of the church, uh, which as Tim and I agree, the church is in the prophetic business of bearing witness to the truth. But if you advocate for a law that enshrines true beliefs as discriminatory, you're working at cross purposes. Again, that was just a portion of the debate, as it were, between Ryan T. Anderson and Tim Schultz around the Fairness for All proposal that's being offered as an alternative to the so-called Equality Act that Christian Wagner from ADF talked about earlier. I tell you, Gabe, working through these proposed policies is not easy. And as you know, in public policy and you think about politics, no policy is perfect. They're imperfect policies to try to create human flourishing. And so these are debatable. These are moral issues. These are discussions that we must have. And I hope this helps begin that conversation for you. Yeah, and if you'd like to watch both of these talks we heard today in their entirety, they are available on the Q Media platform to subscribers. If you're not a subscriber, well, Gabe, they can request a free trial membership. Go to media.qideas.org slash trial. That's media.qideas.org slash trial. And Fill out your information and you'll get a 30-day free trial where you can go on to Media and you can watch not only this talk, but the conversation around the Equality Act. And you can also hear all of the other many talks that we had at our Q Ideas event. And so I'd encourage you to be a part of the Q Media community, get involved. It's a great way to learn, to have conversations this summer with those you love about so many of these important issues where it's pretty difficult to find this kind of conversation happening anywhere. And finally, I just want to thank Kristen Wagner and Alliance Defending Freedom for helping us think through this issue well. And certainly, if you're interested in learning more about the Equality Act or Alliance Defending Freedom's work on this and this piece of legislation, they've created a great resource for you at adflegal.org slash Equality Act. Yeah, check it out. Thanks again for listening to Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons. I'm Paul Perot. Gabe and I wish you a blessed week. This show is made possible in partnership with Faith Radio and Northwestern Media. Thank you for listening to the Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons podcast. These conversations are available because of listener support. You can make your gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. To avoid missing future editions of Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons, subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or on your podcast player. And thank you for sharing this audio link with a friend and growing the impact of Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons.